before looking at who we wanted to have on this next podcast edition of DigBiz, the idea was, well, what do we want to talk about? And we decided we wanted to change it up already. And what better way to change it up than to talk about change, digital transformation, what's doing for businesses, whether they realize this transformation is happening or not. This is all about digital transformation. We've got Kevin Holmes here from Schooly Mitchell. He's a strategic partner and he is in the business of digital transformation, what it does for businesses all the way from startups to large enterprise. Welcome Kevin Holmes to DigBiz. Welcome to our number two podcast. Uh, I've got with me Kevin Holmes, uh, managing partner of Schooly Mitchell, and he has uh, a very interesting and large background uh, in enterprise, large enterprise, and especially involved with digital transformation. Uh, he's most recently been involved with Xerox and other Fortune 500 companies, uh, as well as disruptive startups. And we're really happy to have him here because we love disruptive technology. We love digitization of business. But uh, but especially we want to, you know, we want to bring Kevin in and we want his insight, especially at the enterprise level. Uh, all the way, all the way down to startups. We want to, you know, we want to get his insight onto how how businesses are 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 surviving digitization and the, and the transformation. Are they getting are they getting uh, uh, pushed right out of existence? And uh, so let's let's uh, welcome Kevin Holmes from Schooly Mitchell. Uh, so welcome Kevin, and we're really excited to have you on DigBiz podcast. Awesome! Thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to be part of this. Cool. Cool. So, 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 so tell, tell us a little bit about your background. You've got a, a hugely varied background. You've, you've, you know, all the way from enterprise <laughs> and, uh, and startups, but also in, in the military. Yeah, spent, uh, spent a number of years in the military, and, um, <clears throat> which was great. And, and, you know, a lot of transferable skills and qualities you learn that just apply to regular leadership traits. Uh, right. One of my business partners in, uh, in one of the consulting firms we run, him and I met uh, 20 years ago in the military, we still use a lot of that doctrine today, just around discipline and practice, and uh, and 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 really sort of the, um, you know, just focusing on excellence and precision overall, and uh, leveraging that in business afterwards. So that part's been kind of neat. more more relevant to this topic. Yeah, I I spend a lot of time in the pretty graphic arts world. Uh, under in graphic communications, and uh, that's really the first taste I, I got of the digitization world. I was actually in film um, back in the days when we'd actually strip film with knives and and do dot etching and, and make plates and set up printing presses, and uh, was with a company of phenomenal craftsmen that got acquired by a large $2 billion conglomerate, and I was, I was watching the change and everything happen and said uh, there has to be a better disruptive way for this and and i actually moved over to the very first digital printing company in the country and uh, helped and which had a phenomenal value proposition obviously by moving to digital and what we could do and uh, and help them grow that business for a little over six years and until they sold it, it was well, neat. I, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I'm really interested in, in one thing. One, one thing you said, like you, 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 know, you said, you know, moved over. But you, you know, we're talking about you know, a large business that has had its entire history in in the entire concept of um, physical replication. 
we're talking yeah. about Xerox and the Xerox-like companies, and physical replication like printing and, and photocopying and so on, and then digitization comes. So right. what does that do for the culture of a company like that? Now, I mean, we're thinking of an enormous organization. So you know, putting that in the context of a smaller business who, who, who is growing and looking at this, what does it do? How, how did they handle it? And, you know, it's a neat concept. So when you, when you go back, it's over 75 years when Chester Carlson invented the photocopier. He invented it with the intent of it being disruptive innovation. It was a way to duplicate information and distribute that information. Um, moving to digitization is really just became sort of the next uh, platform uh, to sort of create that. So Xerox, um, looking at it very, very smartly as well, understanding it wasn't about a tangible product. It was more about the services you could wrap around it. Um, they started looking at your typical multifunction devices that you had, and you have a scanner and a printer, obviously. So that's the beginning and the end of a work. And once we start getting into digitization, if it's, you know, paper entering the organization, is there a way to leverage those scanners, uh, intelligently capture the information and, and really drive a workflow process and, uh, and actually start taking paper out? Um, what we even started noting as well is we, we would actually go in and do an assessment of uh, people's printing environments, and we'd recognize that they had way too much printing technology. And, uh, and that was just you know, the legacy procurement of, of how these businesses operated. And everyone sort of got a printer, and a lot of people not even understanding the, the true cost. And in the enterprise space, we'd see companies spending you know, well over a million bucks a year um, just in printing costs on that back-end infrastructure. So it, it created a very strong model for us to actually go in and be more of a workflow and services-centric company to, uh, to actually go create and drive those workflows to take the paper out. So essentially, they'd have less printers printing less. Now, how does a... How does a company like this, and, and, and you, we know, that I'm sure there's going to be a name or two coming up, we know of companies that were not prepared either because of culture or, or by, by uh, right. um, nimbyism or, or, or you know, sort of stakeholder fear, not prepared to admit their own deliberate redundancy, which is what you're talking. You're talking about a good example of culture shift and, 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 and facing their own level of redundancy um, um, face on. And, um, oops, what's this? Um, if face on. And now we're talking about, uh, now, now flip this on its, on, on its head. There are, there are many other examples where businesses look at, they would be in that situation. They would say, no, we're a printing company. Or no, right. we're a photocopying company, and right. and uh, so so what what do you say to businesses that think that they are a printing company or a photocopy company or a replication <laughs> company and so on, and and what do you say to them when they're facing uh, you know these kinds of paradigms and they they need to face up to the fact that they're not really that company at all, and right. that they need to adopt and embrace their own redundancy in order to. Uh, uh, adapt and survive as opposed to adapt and die. Adapt or Exactly. Die. And so the, the way we, you'd almost have to look at what they do and when you're reinventing yourself in, in that space. And, you know, there's, there's still a valuable place for print. Um, it's just not in every place anymore. People aren't getting newspapers. Uh, of, you know, that's just not something they want to do and, and go and read generally a paper newspaper. Uh, you know, it's, it's a, it's something that's going to continue to shrink. You're going to see that with applications like, 
uh, checks and letterheads and the general operational documents. And that market has shifted. Um, what those companies need to understand is that, you know, print has its place, but it's one cog in the communication supply chain. So when you look at the holistic supply chain, like what are the reasons that information is being printed and distributed? Uh, would it be better served with a digital channel? Um, and is there still other ways to, uh, to actually, you know, still grow your business? A lot of companies that are in, for example, the direct mail industry, and direct mail is still a very effective medium if it's used properly. And so, you know, and you probably see this all the time. You walk to your mailbox and you get a whole bunch of mail and a lot of it's personalized mail that you get today. And personalization is nice, but only relevance is truly compelling. Yeah. And that's one of the big misses. So understanding, again, the data backend and then what the technology, the digital technology as an enabler for printing today can do to make that communication truly relevant. Um, you know, if, if I'm going to do direct marketing for... Uh, for a roofing company, I'm obviously not going to go to a brand new suburb uh, out in Mississauga that you know have only had the roofs for the last three years. It, it's just again, it's not relevant. They're not in the market for it. And so, if you combine it with you know going cross media and then even further to omni-channel type applications, then you've got a truly relevant ecosystem where they could still print and communicate with it. And outside of that, there's some other niche players uh, where it gets into. So you see some in the packaging industry. And some of those components, funny enough, some of the biggest, one of the biggest digital printing applications that continues to grow year over year is books. And yeah. uh, because the old ways of publishing, you, you know, you had to write a Harry Potter and get a giant contract behind it and go on consignment. Um, today, you could print one book and, uh, you know, you could print your coffee table quality book and, yeah. and do a copy of one. And so people in photo books and things of that nature and people are embracing it for specific applications in, into that arena. Right. So now you're talking about uh, in probably an area of an area of an industry that would normally have been thought of as, as, as potentially dead or dying and mm -hmm. instead has embraced a kind of a scale that was not the the, the immediate an obvious next step. So what we're talking about is, as you said, the scale of printing originally in order to do that level of, of, of book publishing needed to be enormous. You needed to be doing runs of, of thousands right. or even tens of thousands. And, and instead of, of trashing and, and removing the entire the entire industry, it, it underwent a different kind of a, a scale paradigm shift, which is the ability to be agile. Right. And, and, saying, and the challenge print for the one printer book, print was... One yeah, the challenge of the printer um, is really where your area of expertise comes in. Um, they weren't used to having that level of IT support. So, again, that paradigm shifted from having craftsmen running technology to now saying, okay, how do we automate and digitize everything that's going to come in so we don't have that labor and the massive overheads that they previously had? And how do they reinvest on, you know, the right infrastructure to control and manage and uh, uh, all the different data inputs that they're going to have to to drive the right outputs, and uh, so it was, it was interesting on that on the printing side, seeing what that started to look like. And it was the companies that were really looked and felt more like an IT company um, and more like a digital marketing firm uh, were the ones that started to thrive, and they separated very much so um, from the rest of the pack. Right, ex exactly, and 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 even. Uh, even now we're seeing businesses that, uh, you know, they, they, they have their, their, their niche 
capabilities in one particular area, whether it's uh, you know as a franchise or a buyer's group or or even um, you know even as a, a sort of a, a takeout kind of company. But somewhere in all of that, there is a digital transformation or digital enabling of their business model that in a very in, in a different way, but in a similar scale way. Because of the automation, because the systematization system, uh, the system. I'm gonna have to edit that out. <laughs> Systematization of of the 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 intake and fulfillment process. They are now able to service uh, at a at a scale and a, and a, um, a, a, hum, a horizontal level that they never would have been able to do even probably five or ten years ago. Right. You just said something really important and significant for any business today, and it's it's really about um, customer centricity. And when we look at uh, industries that have completely evolved and been disrupted, um, you know, the Ubers, the Netflix, the things like that of the world, the Airbnbs, um, it's, it's because models are changing. Uh, the typical brick and mortar model, um, Berkshire Hathaway was just saying, uh, I believe it was just last week, uh, was actually saying, you know, that retail model is, is dead. That's not the model that operates today. Uh, customers consume and, and digest and want to deal with companies in, in a much different fashion today than they ever have. And that's only going to grow and accelerate. Um, you look at the <clears throat> you look at the population today of the millennials that are now coming into the workforce. And it's the first cohort now that's as finely as big as the baby boomers. And these individuals are, you know, they're they're people that are born um, with the internet. Uh, they've always had devices uh, with them as well. And the way they like to communicate is, you know, through their mobile phone, through their iPad, through whatever that looks like and they want it instant and uh, they don't want this complicated um, archaic ordering process right and then on the and then you have the whole back office um, of any organization and you know the best organizations today under, truly understand they just can't move at the speed of paper um, right. Right. And, 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 and so now you're now yeah. now we're talking about an omni-channel experience of course and and, th- and this is this is a very interesting part of digital transformation that we see businesses uh, large and small, sort of trying to embrace, but they're embracing it in a in a sometimes a very haphazard way. Uh, now, the, the the do you think that's because the concept of omnichannel is just such a nebulous one that people are thinking they're still thinking I need a website, I need e-commerce, I need a, a, a phone system, and, and and everything is very fragmented, uh, and as a result. To your earlier point, the customer-centric nature of how they are, uh, of how those millennials are expecting to be addressed at a customer mm-hmm. ser- service level, information level, twenty-four-seven um, level, and you know, you name it, all the way down. So many businesses are just barely being ready to handle every bit of those customer acquisitions, customer service, twenty-four-seven, because they are right. still thinking website, phone system. Uh, you know, get a person on the phone and, and, and everything in a very, you know, 1999 paradigm, just trying to think about it in a digital, digital way. Yeah, I think it's interesting. It's, so you bring up a good point. A lot of people do still struggle with the concept. Um, where I think they struggle the most, most is understanding or having a clear strategy. Because uh, generally, this isn't their front office function. Um, they could be a large medical center and they're not. Uh, in this this arena or this business, even though they have a, a, a you know strong IT sort of backbone that they're trying to build out, 
Um, I think it, it, it really happens on different levels. When you look at the, the mega enterprises, um, some of them are trying to go through it, but, and you know, you see them investing in something like the SAP HANA platform mm -hmm. and trying to move to, you know, an enterprise cloud uh, ERP type of solution. And they're trying to displace, you know, 50 back office systems while doing it. So they're, they're run into those challenges. And then if you move down into the SMB space and the smaller businesses, well, they can't really afford a lot of that IT infrastructure. Um, so what we're sort of seeing is, you know, and obviously that's improving the adoption of the cloud, um, why people are moving to more of a, you know, a model that's amortized across a lot of uh, different customers and they could start benefiting from that. So I, I think it also becomes a resource issue though at that level. Um, and again, the strategy, they're, they're focused on the day-to-day -day activities and, you know, just trying to get through another day uh, you know, those companies that have 5, 10, 50 employees type of things, uh, rather than focusing on saying, how am I going to become disruptive in this market? And the biggest guys I'm seeing benefit from it are, you know, a lot of the new companies that are just being founded now uh, because they have a clean sheet opportunity to be, you know, truly born in the cloud and they could invest in Office 365 from day one and they could start moving over to, you know, CRM systems and everything where it just resides in the cloud for them from day one. And, uh, and those are the companies that are really going to start disrupting the big guys if they don't speed up a lot of the transformation they're trying to go under. Because so a lot of leap, it's individual the, workflows. Right. It's, it's, it's the leapfrog advantage. Right. It, it's, it's essentially, you know, where, where places like India and Africa, uh, by virtue of their inability to get copper phone lines fully entrenched into hundreds and millions and even billions of people just said, well, forget it. We'll just do mobile. Right. So now they have right. this. And now you have people like Elon Musk that is sort of looking at it saying, hey, I could build satellites and launch them up around the entire planet, 5,000 or so, whatever his plan is, and I could create a, uh, a completely connected world that doesn't rely on a single phone line in the future. And, right. uh, and you know, things like that, we think, will that be disruptive to, you know, the Bells, the Rogers, the Telluses of the world? Yeah, it will be. So, so what's the, what's, so what's the lesson then for companies that are in, in sort of squarely, at least in the middle of this world? So you, you've been, in, you, you've seen both sides of this. You've been in very legacy, very early technology companies who have successfully trans transformed, uh, very successfully transformed like Xerox. And, uh, then you know you've been involved in startups who who have the who have the leapfrog advantage, and then we have this this you know arguably enormous majority right in the middle who have been in business for some time, <clears throat> and they you know even if they've had their start at the uh, at the beginning of uh, of digital technology, the beginning of the internet, they're still they're now entrenched, so they now have to embrace omni-channel commerce they have to embrace digital transformation in the way that the millennials expect they they need to optimize customer experience and how their business is done and so on and so forth um, but if they don't have the right mindset and the right strategy as you said then then they're in trouble if they don't if they if they're unable to to morph their culture to to new <laughs> expectations even though they're they originate originated as a digital company right Right, and you're seeing a lot of that. It's interesting in that space because what I find, especially on, 
in the SMB space, a lot of them, again, don't have the resources, both, you know, the intellectual capital or the financial right. uh, capital to invest to make it happen. And uh, they're the ones that are, you know, looking for partners um, that can actually come in, do the assessments, help them with the strategy and, yeah. uh, and actually execute on it for them. And uh, that, that's a, it's a big growing market need because obviously they want to keep moving up. Uh, the food chain and hopefully become a large enterprise themselves and in order to do it um, they're going to have to partner to uh, to find different ways so um, what's the prognosis doctor the, for these guys what do you what do, do you think that they have are they scared do you think that they they, they need to be bold and embrace uh, the, you know what you do what what we do you know this this transformative vision they pretty well have to they need to take a deep breath and say we got to dive in because even though we were digital we're not digital enough anymore right um one way i like to look at it there's and and this came off of a, a bain report uh that i read not that long ago and any business looking to create a strategy and embrace that change and, and generally you want to look at it from engine one and engine two and when you look at Engine 1, what was it that they've been doing to grow into the business they are today? How can we further accelerate that to grow the top-line revenue? And then while we're doing that, when we want to look at some of the, the digital infrastructure, and you know, this is obviously where your business comes in, and really sort of do an audit of, of what does that backbone look like, the technology today? Um, what percentage are they actually utilizing? Um, where are they sort of missing pieces and the connectors to make it work together? Um, and, and at the same time, as you're firing up engine one, uh, which is going to be top line sales and, you know, let's utilize the IT investments they've already made today. That's when they have to start building up the strategy saying, okay, engine two, how do we become someone who's more fully disruptive? And what does the timeline look like for that? What are the investments and, uh, and how do we build a roadmap to make sure we can achieve it? And it, it's, it's sort of a two pronged approach that you really need to adopt. And like, for example, one of the things we do is, you know, we take cost out of a business. So that right there becomes a bottom line EBITDA gain for an organization. And for a small to medium business, that could be quite significant. And then can you leverage that newfound uh, profit in the organization to start investing in these applications? And those applications are, are really automating a lot of those workflows and such. And generally starting with the most critical workflows to an organization. You know, you see things like accounts receivables and how could we now turn around and uh, improve, you know, time to revenue, improve time to profit. Um, some industries like a legal firm, you know, information is their currency. How do you improve time to information by creating a good content management strategy and, uh, and so on and so forth. And, and really start taking out the, the, the need of saying, you know, we've got a problem, let's hire a bunch more people and throw it at it when there really is a better mousetrap. And that message right there, when you're sitting in front, when, when you're sitting in front having this conversation with a business that has, whether they're a legal firm or an energy company, uh, a manufacturer, medical and so on, when, you, when you're sitting in front of an executive that for all intents and purposes has been quite successful and you're saying, but this is 2017 and the world is changing very quickly and this digital transformation is on you whether you like it or not how do you how do you feel that they uh, they embrace it is it is it something that they are reluctant to embrace or, or or really your job is to make them 
uh, is to, to make them embrace and make them see it. Yeah, that, and that's a big part of the job. So some of them do understand they need to do something and they just don't know how to do it. And uh, those are great people to partner with because um, they understand the changes there and what needs to happen and they know their business and they're, they're going to open the, the kimono to the business to, to actually take a, a, a really good transparent look at it. Um, there are a lot of organizations out there um, that are still really, really profitable. I, I find it's, it's a lot of it's dictated by industry and some people still believe the old model still works. And it's, it's interesting how we see things change. You look at an industry like the automotive sector, for example, um, you know, an industry that used to make a ton of money on the sale of a car today, probably on average makes 2% on the sale of a car. Yeah. Yet all their off, all their efforts are actually focused on the front office sales still, even though 70% of the revenue is actually and profit is coming out of the service department. Right. And uh, so, so it's really interesting to see like in those type of businesses, like when I look at the automotive sector, for example, that to me is primed to you know, have the next Uber or Netflix pop into it and, and really start disrupting it because it is a big good sale and consumers buy differently today. Right, right. Now you raise an interesting uh, an interesting thing, and this is probably perfect as a as a as a last sort of broader future topic. So you brought up Uber a few times. Uh, I think you might have mentioned uh, Airbnb and there's, there's Netflix. Yep. These represents the what 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 I see as being the first you know large scale full digitization uh, full next generation of di- digitization models where we are taking a model that has already existed you know in the Netflix movies or or um, or or you know, mobility in the case of uh, Uber it's you know taking a, the idea of a cab and uh, and pushing it more horizontal but. Mm-hmm. It's still a replication of the same model. So we have the same Correct. model that existed before, and we've just made been more clever. Right. Now, there's still more disruption to be had here. Uber in and of itself, like none of these businesses in and of, in and of themselves are guaranteed of success just because they successfully leapfrog previous technology. Mm-hmm. So now we have other forms of digital transformation, which a lot of people don't really know exists. And of course, I'm, I'm talking about the blockchain. Right. And there are already things in place in the background that the blockchain uh, is, is affecting, but that's, that's, that's to come still. So do you see another level of digital transformation that might even disrupt the disruptors? Absolutely. Like it's <clears throat> history is going to always reinvent itself. Right. So, um, and it's, and like you mentioned, it's accelerating at a faster rate. So in order to see these huge disruptors that came out, it, it took decades for it to happen. The next level of, of disruption that's going to come out is going to happen in fractions of time. And that's only going to continue to accelerate. So these companies that were disruptive that have opened up, they need to not only diversify, but they need to understand and have a roadmap to say, great, I'm now at the top of the mountain. The winds do blow the hardest now that I'm here. How do I maintain that position and keep going? And some of the companies are starting to get into it. Outside of blockchain, I know Uber is actually even considering, um, they did the math of all the cars they have on the road, and uh, apparently they have more uh, shipping capacity than FedEx does. And uh, <laughs> saying, can, can I move now into that model and diversify and uh, create another revenue source, which uh, I think is just brilliant. 
Um, but you're right, um, from a customer experience perspective and how they want to work and operate in the future and leveraging the blockchain to, uh, to sort of adapt and, uh, and, and create what's going to be next, then absolutely. That is uh, something that could disrupt them if they don't keep up with the, uh, the technologies and continue to transform and evolve themselves. Right. And, and, and then ultimately, we are talking about everyone being forced to embrace being agile as a, as, as a business, being ready to um, iterate themselves, uh, being, being prepared to change something and then change something again. Uh, how do you, when, when you are now working in, this, in, in, in those same strategic discussions as we were talking about, do you, do you think that businesses are ready to, to understand that message about the change that we're talking about changing now and then understanding that they may be changing or at least iteratively changing in a year, two years, three years, uh, if not faster? Yeah, so I think businesses have recognized that they do need to change. Um, you know, again, it's, it's up to sometimes the individuals in adoption. I think the industry dictates a lot of that. The, the part, of, part of the challenge in being agile is, you know, within our supply chain, we're always going to have various suppliers, government agencies, things that, that change and control, um, you know, have record retention policies and things like that where you still have to legally keep paper for certain things. And, uh, and so I think the evolution needs to be more holistic to help support that. I, I'm finding in a lot of organizations, and I've seen this with uh, uh, one of the major law firms and being inside and every other law firm is looking at them um, as they're building out uh, their next platform for digitization. And it's really neat, everything that they're, they're sort of leveraging and trying to do, but the change management um, you know, for a global law firm and the organization behind it really does push a lot of people past a change management threshold. And, uh, and that also causes additional problems and stress in the environment, the workforce, and you could lose human capital. And um, so uh, there's, there's a lot of components um, and levers and dependencies inside uh, adopting the digital transformation. So having a company get ready for it, are they ready? Yeah. Um, uh, do they know what to do? Generally not. Uh, they generally want more of those partners. And, uh, but I think in order to truly leverage, you know, the agile world that you're speaking of, then, you know, part of the problem is your suppliers and everything that you're dealing with. I had an interesting conversation at Humber River Hospital, which is, you know, Toronto's all digital hospital, the first one to be launched. And uh, it, it was really funny because we talked about building a digital mail room for them. Um, because, you know, if they call a repair guy to come fix the air conditioner, he's probably going to handwrite uh, um, an invoice for, to submit to them. And it was like, well, how do you even intake that to your system if you're all digital? Yeah. And uh, the outside world isn't there yet. And so you have to sort of have some of those dependencies as well that you could be digital completely inside your walls, um, which is a fantastic place to be. But you also need to have, you know, some form uh, to onboard some of the old analog information. Um, and uh, and digitize it to bring in your environment. And you still have some of the printing components too because of those record retention policies that the government has. Right, exactly. But, but even the government, I mean, funnily enough, is has to, to a large degree 
uh, embraced probably for you know cost saving purposes a fair bit of digitization, including you know uh, um, online tax portals and so on. Right. To to try and uh, keep their costs down, and uh, um, I'm, I'm sure they're not doing it just to be nice. They're doing it because it's going to save money. Exactly, and, and from my understanding, the entire student loan process now has gone and, and been digitized, right. and uh, which which is great to see, and it's it's really nice to see them take that type of leadership position because that will inspire a lot of organizations. Um, the government, as you know, the change in the government is obviously slower than it is in the the enterprise world, and uh, and a lot of what they're doing is you know it's a couple of great um, people that are inside the government institutions um, that are creating projects over their line of business. So they've created a lot of really interesting digitization projects, but a lot of it still is islands of automation, right? Where they haven't, you know, created that that full-fledged component, which again, it's sort of like an engine number one type of win, but as, as they continue going down that route, and it'll obviously be a slow one, that's a huge ship to turn. Um, you know, eventually I think they will get there and they understand they need to. And once they do, a lot of the policies around it um, will hopefully start to adapt and evolve with it too. Yeah, yeah. So final messages for businesses from, you know, the, 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 the proverbial original old school um, <laughs> all the way up to disruptors and enterprise. <laughs> you know, what do we say to them? What do we say to the, the bricks and mortar um, uh, you know, dealers and retailers at, who are either too scared or think that they can't afford being omnichannel? Think that they can't yeah. afford that 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 full-on global kind of experience for for their would-be customers. Taking that message all the way up to the the enterprise, which could afford it, but they tend to be stuck. So, how do we? What, what do we say to them to say this is here, whether you like it or not, and this is why you need to to move and and change the way that you feel this and 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 uh, and prepare for the for the next step. Exactly. I, I think you partially uh, delivered that message right there. A, a lot of it is about education. And anything that can become digital will become digital. Um, it's just such a faster medium than any analog approach would ever be. And that evolution is going to continue happening. And competition and new competition is going to be born into the environment that is going to be a strong competitor. You look at the, the world of Amazon moving into Whole Foods and you know how that, from a brick-and-mortar perspective now, is, uh, is, is obviously scaring Walmart and what their capabilities are going to be with, you know, just the amount of automation and AI that they have in their infrastructure, it's phenomenal. And that landscape is going to change. Um, the best things they could do is, you know, continue the education on digitization, understand and collaborate best practices with all the other executives that are getting involved into it. Um, and don't hesitate to, to speak with some small organizations there was and I, I was dealing with a ton of large enterprise in the legal space um, but I actually spent a bunch of time with uh, a small law firm downtown Toronto that was a digital a, pretty much a digital law firm and it was so interesting to see their methods and how what it actually looked like when they showed up to court and if a bigger company could stop and see that value and obviously it's to an exponential rate that they would feel the impact if they were able to achieve that um, you know, they should be understanding what that business model is and how do they, how do they internalize it for themselves? Because we have to continue evolving in what we're doing. Beautiful. 
Kevin Holmes, thank you. This is uh, this has been great. It's been a light in enlightening, and uh, it's fa- it's fascinating to hear you know your perspective on on some you know enterprise transformations from the inside, and uh, and so it's fantastic having you around. Thank you for uh, for for coming and uh, being on Digbiz, and uh, hope you hope you had fun. I did, yeah. Any any anytime. It's absolutely my pleasure. It was a, a great conversation. Excellent. Thank you. Thanks again, Kevin. So uh, everyone, Kevin Holmes, from, uh, managing partner at Schooly Mitchell, has uh, has been our guest and uh, talking about digital transformation, disruption, and how uh, businesses of all sizes uh, can and need to embrace that change. Um, so uh, thanks again, Kevin, and uh, we'll see everyone again next time. I appreciate the time. Thanks, Jason. Beautiful. Thanks, Kevin. That was Kevin Holmes from Schooly Mitchell. We're really excited to have him here talking about DigBiz. Sit tight for our announcement for our next podcast here on DigBiz. Thanks.